Good afternoon, sir. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Beef and Bitcoin podcast. This is episode 59 with your host, Brett and CH. Today's topics, saw some, uh, saw some news out of Germany. Looks like uh, negative rates are hitting the uh, a larger portion of uh, people who have deposits at banks, at this one bank in particular. Uh, and then there was also new German legislation um, that they're going to, that German banks can now start offering uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency related products. So I think that's interesting that both of those are going on at the same time. Uh, second one, uh, there was an interesting article, I believe it was from Bloomberg, that was titled Hooked on Debt, um, The Way Out for a World Economy Hooked on Debt, More Debt. So uh, pretty crazy headline uh, tag for them. And we talk about debt all the time. So we'll, we'll touch on that. And then lastly, um, France is testing a digital currency uh, within that first half of 2020. So kind of interesting to see all three of these topics kind of weave in between each other. Um, but how you doing, man? I'm doing good. This is, again, we're getting more um, crazy talk when it comes to replacing the current fragile, as I say, in quotation marks, as they say in the article, um, fiat system. It is clear that the um, people near the top now are, they, they see that the, the structure is failing and they're looking to hop from one track to the other, hopefully seamlessly, while the general population doesn't ask any questions. Agree 100%. It's the it's, it's the only chance they have. It, it, they 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 know this this you know whatever this plane they're on or you could say rocket they're riding is going to crash and they have to get off it before it does. And um, crypto or I guess I'm not going to say crypto a digital currency looks like a pretty nice way out. And obviously you see this kind of implemented in China. Uh, we'll see how it fares in the rest of the world. Yeah. No, it, it, it is it is unbelievable. Um, all right, I guess let's jump into these topics here. So, looks like um, a, you know a new bill in, in Germany, like I had mentioned earlier, it would allow for customers to invest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies um, via German based Germany based funds. So, in other words, if you have an account at um, whatever bank uh, in Germany, you might be able to quickly access a Bitcoin fund similar to the way, I guess, I don't know, how would you put that? Like being able to get into a money market fund or, or a CD or something like that, you could you could choose to allocate or buy, um, I'm assuming it'll be a basket or, or something, uh, something like that. Um, and it looks like, you know, this might be a good way to keep some of that money in the country right so if you have a combination of negative yield so in other words you're paying to store your money at the bank and now they're they're offering these other options of places where you can put your money um, it keeps it keeps those uh, dollars euros or whatever in in the country rather than ending up on binance or or you know worse for for sovereigns uh, into Bitcoin and then taking those private keys and holding that and holding the Bitcoin, um, so they're they're kind of they're losing that, um, and it just seems to me like uh, this bank VRF in Northern Bavaria is charging half a percent to hold your money. Um, 
I don't think that has to happen for too long before people start looking for alternatives. And I just find it interesting that all of a sudden now they can sell in custody cryptocurrency. So I, I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts on this? Free money. I mean, if it, it's ridiculous <laughs> at this point that like if your your money if you leave it in the bank in certain countries or certain regions, you're if you put let's say a hundred dollars in there. It's gonna be you know ninety nine dollars next year or whatever you know depending on the rate you're getting, it's it's insane. And then you think about that in bigger proportions, they're talking about like large corporations are just gonna start holding physical cash. They're not gonna. Why would you lose lose thousands and thousands of dollars if not more, a year, you know, you know probably millions of dollars when you think about large companies, to you know negative interest rates it makes no sense. You know, you're already losing to inflation. Why would you lose even more? So, right. I think that's a good point that you bring up is that you got to think about that half a percent fee and then inflation on top of that. And we know inflation numbers are always wrong, understated. Right? They're, they're not always accurate understated. at all. They, yeah, they're they're understated by. <clears throat> I, I'd say potentially double if not triple in in certain years when prices go up or or it takes a few years for prices to readjust and then they readjust really hard so you're really if you're let's assume two percent inflation which it's not you're you're losing two and a half percent um and it's enough to and i think we i don't know that we've covered this but i thought i saw something like safety deposit boxes are going out of stock quickly because everybody is using them and just throwing their cash in there why wouldn't you just throw your cash in there literally physical cash in there then uh leave it in a checking or savings account where it's going to lose money um it's just in I, I, maybe because i'm just too deep into bitcoin in this i'm like you can't be making this any more bullish for me personally like if if my bank started doing that here in the united states i'd be like okay well i'm gonna either move it into a different asset or i can just hold bitcoin and i can kind of custody that myself and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take that warehousing fee plus inflation like it seems like they're they're trying to use um whatever tactics are left kind of in that in the monetary and fiscal policy tool belt, right? Uh, you, I didn't think we would ever see negative rates, and now we saw them, and now they're really starting to impact not just large accounts. I think it used to be over a hundred thousand dollars, and now it's like pretty much any account, and you're going to get that hit. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, 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 it's just, unfortunate yeah. reality of the uh, the new normal, as they'd say, we live in. Um, I don't right. think it can t- continue, and we see it leaking into other things as we were talking about. I don't know if we said it already, but the we, we mentioned it definitely before the podcast started that the $120,000 banana that just sold in an art gallery, a banana yes. duct taped to a wall, sold for one hundred twenty grand. You, you can't argue there is just money just flowing into everywhere for no reason. I mean, it makes zero sense. A perishable item duct taped to a wall. It's not art. Right. Yeah, it's not. I I did see that. And it makes me think of like when Safe Dean, uh, you know, author of the Bitcoin Standard talks about fiat money and um, its implications on culture and how, you know, fiat money gives you fiat art. Um, Someone duct taped a banana to a wall and it sold for $120,000. And then apparently some guy ate it. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I saw. I'll see you guys in jail. And he just ate the banana. 
Um, you know, whether that was a publicity stunt or not, I think it shows a couple things. One, um, that's not that's not art, and he he kind of proved it just by eating it and like the hundred twenty thousand dollars just completely evaporated. Um, it it blows my mind on one hand that somebody paid that much for it, but on the other hand, uh, I think a few decades worth of manipulated interest rates and federal reserve policy um just oh. produces the most insane amounts of malinvestment that we've ever seen no and that's why we like see we were society getting so distorted things like that like yeah and and um to me it it's just seems obvious and logical now that when you fuck with the money you get some really weird stuff that happens um whether it be cultural behavioral because uh, everybody's doing these things for a reason and this per someone <laughs> bought the banana art for 120 grand thinking that it was that was worth more than the 120,000 that's why they did the trade right they voluntarily did that um you have to have a pretty fucked up view of what money's worth to spend $120,000 on a banana duct tape wall but I see people spend a lot of money on stupid shit and now like since I'm super frugal and I'm always thinking about Bitcoin and saving for the future for my kids family whatever I even question you know it's an easy example people question like getting guac on a Chipotle burrito I'm like man you could you know that might be however many oh, thousand sats you know you know what I mean like you have to take it to that level and I've taken it to that level and now I look at everything and I'm just like, I can't believe you spent money on that. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you did that. Um, but I've went from literally one end of the spectrum all the way to the other side. Um, but I don't know. Fiat money does this and it, it, to me it's super obvious and I don't think there's any other logical explanation for why we this see chart, what we chart see, especially it when it comes to amount investment. The S&P this S &P chart yeah. says it all. It's just it's a rocket ship doesn't matter there's that tweet i saw that was like talking about like traders being short like in like 2013 2014 of the s&p and it was talking about just like them getting yanked up and it's like we are so much higher now it's, it's absolutely insane and i don't know where this ends i have no clue but i do know whatever comes after is not going to be good you know that there's it won't be a permanent plateau right no matter how hard they nothing's try nothing's ever and yeah, I think I kind of got suckered into that in 2017 with Bitcoin. You think like as everyone's FOMOing and rushing in, you get that sense of like it's never going to go below this price again. Never, and that's ever. the reason why you kind of jump in. And right, and 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 now I kind of I've like learned from that mistake and think harder about it. And when I look at traditional markets now, um I I guess in the long term you can you can you can say and state evidence like you know in the long term over a long enough time horizon it goes up and you know sure but there's always people on the other side of that trade and you know i was just talking with a buddy of mine who said one of his buddies had gotten absolutely wrecked in 2007 2008 buying a bunch of real estate properties to manage with their friends and you know 2008 happened they lost all their renters and they, they lost their shirts. Like they lost everything and, and foreclosed on like a couple properties. And like that is your typical 
retail investor that is unsophisticated and thought that they were sophisticated enough to jump into the real estate market and try to make money. Um, a lot of people bought then and a lot of people will buy the tops of every bubble. The equity bubble this time around is interesting because I don't like I don't see the the demand like retail demand for equities. It's really just, I know we've talked about this before, it seems just all very passive. It's just it's very, however very many passive. people are in the workforce that are just contributing to their 401k Every, and like that's buying it. Yeah, that's buying it. And nobody's it. actually going out and buying it's, stocks. Exactly. From, from what I can tell. Stock yeah. buybacks are a big portion. Like companies like Apple are going to own itself in a few years just because of the fact that they just keep buying shares back. And it's like, and then you look at things like the Swiss National Bank printing money to then come buy U.S. equities. Okay, so they're creating money out of nothing, you're telling me. And then they're coming over and buying U.S. equities. Okay, sure. Um, the Apple chart here is retarded. It's it's just, it is, and I, it's the only word that can come to mind. And it's like... I can't believe, what, are those quarterly bars? No, that's yearly bars. One year is each oh, those bar. those are yearly? Yeah. Wow. Just it's 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 absolutely mind boggling. And you you know one day inevitably it's gonna come back to earth. Yeah. It's gonna make the round trip. I don't know when, but it will and it will be painful. Yeah. Like we, we see mean, this it's people thought that like it, we, we think about like GE GE and Ford are perfect examples. We you know, people thought probably at one point these companies will never ever, you know, go bad and now they're way below their former peaks Ford is one of the worst it's, it's a sad yeah. very sad story it's just never yeah. ever even no. close to what it what, what it once was yeah no it 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 kind of blows my mind um because this you know I I guess I was I was still in college during the financial crisis and I kind of saw the havoc that that kind of wrecked on everybody. But since I wasn't having to survive on my own, like it didn't, it didn't make sense to me then, but I'm sure if I would have been a couple years older, it would have, I'd be real. probably even more like, yeah, it would have just like, I'd probably be a fucking bigger asshole than I am already. Like I'd be so just like, Hating on every everything. Uh, you'd but, be like uh, Brad Pitt in the uh, in the big short. I mean, that's how you'd become. I can't think of his name in the movie, but yeah, pretty much. I can't. I've, I've been meaning to like watch that again. Um, but I think when we when we look at this stuff and talk about it, it um, it's it's actually a really good segue into the next to the next topic about being hooked on debt. The solution to this problem from your mainstream economist or news source is more debt, right? And more crack. It's, it's you know, and people make this kind of analogy all the time. It's like the heroin addict, like to get them off of heroin, you should give them more to help them fix their addiction. And that's what you see with uh, the central banking system. Uh, globally, each one kind of solves their own problem by adding more debt. So they have a large debt issue. It comes to the point where that they can no longer cover the debt service charge. So they lower rates even more so that they have time to pay the debt service charge and then issue more debt on top of that. And it's hard because it, in air quotes, it worked in 2008. We printed our way out of it. Now we've printed way more than 
even back then uh, because it's there's so much more like... money sloshing around the system and and you know not not really too much has happened and it's hard because on a global scale things do not look so great especially in china with their zombie companies um argentina is not doing so well they've been suffering from inflation you have one country venezuela that has completely hyperinflated the money no longer works there uh turkey's having inflationary issues and it looks like the eu is starting to see some recessionary signals and then on the other hand you have uh relatively strong numbers out of the united states with um, unemployment at lows um I guess everything else doesn't look as bad, even though you can tell and intuitively know that the economy is is slowing. I don't know. It just I I, I think it, it, it we're all makes sense why normal. they're going to try to use this and issue more debt. Well, you know? well, the unemployment yeah. thing's also jacked up because it, it like discludes someone like from the unemployment cloud. What if they don't look for work for like a week, maybe two weeks? They're no longer you know college students right. don't right. count. There's a bunch of different things. And it's all about how they make the calculations. The same thing as CPI. The real CPI is much higher. Right, it's right. like it's probably close to double digits. It's probably like nine to ten percent, if not more. We both mentioned that like our haircut prices increased in the past year. It's it's it uh, it's happening, oh, yeah. and no one wants to admit it. It's the same thing with groceries. You look at most groceries, like it's shrinkflation. You look in these boxes or packages. There's not that many chips. There's not that much of this. That it's happening everywhere. But the German DAX is a perfect no. example. And I don't sorry to yeah. cut you off there, but like the DAX is almost at all time highs, yet Germany's entering a recession. Why is that? Because there's liquidity, there's money being added in. You know, um, I'm gonna try to find an old chart because the German DAX, even during like World War II, it's hilarious. Did not collapse. It didn't collapse till like the end. Yeah, I mean they had to they had to print a lot to to keep that mess going. The the one other thing on on this topic that that they had mentioned in this Bloomberg article that. A decade after the financial crisis, and global government, corporate, and household debt is at $250 trillion. And a comment from the chief economic advisor for Allianz had said the best way to the best way is to grow out of it gradually and consistently. And it is the it is the solution to many, but not all, episodes of current indebtedness. Uh, he sounds a little bit like a paid shill to me. That's just my opinion. Uh, I, if this were like a doctor, <laughs> like giving the same advice, like, oh, just do more of what you're doing that caused the problem. It, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense. And I almost can't believe that other people believe it. Yeah. It's, um, it, this DAX chart, it's, is something else. Um, because it's, as you can see, we reached the uh, permanent plateau stage over here. Um, it is so it shuts down during Hitler's come to power rises then 38 and 39 when Hitler starts kind of pushing the boundaries you know invading Czechoslovakia Austria there's a little worry but no worries the blitzkrieg euphoria the market even rallies even higher all the way through the battle of Britain into Barbarossa which is where in 1941 when Germany invaded Russia and then it kind of petered out here and plateaued for many years until the market was closed in August 1944 as prices were frozen after Stalingrad because Germany was getting bombed around the clock and this is something interesting I found out recently I didn't know this and it's a little off topic but historically the output for the war in Germany did not reach the peak until like July of 1944 they they kind of just waltzed into this into World War II 
not expecting it to go the way it did. And before you knew it, you know, they were having, like, they were just, obviously before they invaded Russia, they were doing so well. It was just unseeming that they would, they would affect their daily lives in Germany. And then things started to turn and they kept lying about it until it became too obvious, obviously, when they're getting bombed and, you know, people aren't coming home. But it's, it's crazy that they, you know, they didn't really hit peak production until the very end of the war. Which, you know, things right. could be vastly different had that changed around early on. Well, yeah, I mean, that just has a lot to do with with the market. So they weren't getting proper price signals. So you can see how long it took for them to kind of, they were off by however many years or months with having peak production, right? And, 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 and that has its implications when you've made economic calculation more difficult because you've printed too much money or manipulated interest rates, you run into these issues that uh, the free market helps solve all on its own with um, people voluntarily um, working together. Yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing how you know you know I know this is one of your favorite topics, but just how how long some of these wars can last when the money doesn't matter. And yeah, the I money guess doesn't matter. World War Two is a good example. I World you know War more about World, World War One is a perfect example. Like before that war is never of that scale had ever happened before. And you look at every country, you know, dealing from gold and countries like Germany just start printing versus the uh, United Kingdom, Britain started, um, you know, levying more of an income tax, etc. And the U.S. was only like when we were selling supplies, um, you know, weapons, etc., food, you name it, materials, we only accepted gold because smart people were like, yo, they are not. Their currencies aren't right, you know. We didn't know exactly how far they were falling off, but we knew that it wasn't the right price, and so they only accepted gold. That way, they could get an idea of what they're happening, and that's when kind of it was before the Brenton Woods system in 1944 that was implemented. But that's when the U.S. slowly started to really take power was during that period because the you know the um what was the British Empire was just collapsing under its own weight. Mm. I, you know what you said there really resonated with me that um, was it the British who attempted to fund the war via additional income tax? Yeah. Okay, so this is an excellent point to kind of point out. Um, that was to their detriment, I'm assuming, because a war needs to be popular enough if it's being funded by direct taxation, meaning I'm physically handing money over to the taxing authority. Uh, you need to they need to really stand behind whatever those tax dollars are going through. And, and in this case, it's war, which is terrible. And I'm assuming the majority of people, even no matter how radical they might be, yeah. aren't willing to give up their own money f for war, right? Now, on the other hand, you can see where other countries took a different approach and delinked from gold and direct taxation in order to fund wars. And this is a, hidden. a symptom of fiat money. And it's a hidden tax, right? Because it's it's still technically a tax. And I want to make sure we're very clear about that. Inflation is a tax that you don't realize that you're paying and it's not a direct tax. You don't see it. Uh, so yeah, it in other words, up. if you have, yeah, you don't see it and you only see it in prices in, in future years to come. Um, but it's really important to make sure that you look at that as a tax because if you think about the money that you hold as a certain percentage of the pie, and this is why I think um, Bitcoin's fixed supply is very interesting because you know the percent 
the percentage that you have of the total supply. And if you could do that with, you know, do, you can do that with dollar. With gold, we can have estimates of how much there are, but a little bit more difficult to really determine how much outstanding there really is. Um, but with fiat, it's it's a joke, right? If you have a hundred thousand dollars worth of fiat, or even a million dollars worth of fiat, of the total supply, that changes on a daily basis. Like yeah. you'll never know how much of the of the total supply that you've had. So. Um, I think the, the, the war poor part of fiat money just isn't really discussed enough. And I I think, I think, um, everyone can kind of learn something from that, regardless of what you think about wars and military spending, regardless of where you live in the planet, like these types of things wouldn't happen if, unless fiat money was there to like, let it happen. You know, in other words, on a gold standard, you just wouldn't see this happen because no one's going to spend hard-earned gold on on war. Yeah, it's unless, just not going to happen. You know, the the risk rewards there. So, say you're going to go capture, you know, that country's gold and resources or whatever, then that's and, and you know that's why what Hitler war did exactly. Yeah, no, it's and I mean, you think about in that two-year span, you know, they became the basically the continent of Europe. It was like holy shit. <laughs> like we don't right. think about that nowadays but like though they became you know like vast majority of western europe you know uh and their treaty with uh russia they invaded half of poland and russia took the other half so it's it's interesting to see that um because i didn't know much about that until you know russia and germany kind of were protecting each other during the interwar period because russia was treated as a lesser power because of the revolution because they became less of you know mm-hmm. the the old Russian Empire and now we're this, you know, communist. And I think they finally in the in the early thirties finally got a um, you know, an ambassador to the US. And, you know, it took a while. Russia was just this rogue state. You know, the USSR was this rogue communist state and a perfect example is Holomore, which is where the the estimates range a lot from like three million to twelve million people were just wiped off the face of the earth through starvation and basically murder and genocide. Uh, in the Ukraine and it's not talked yep. about and it just, you know, it's, it's a pretty interesting and it's such a short time frame too. You know, also they could take also basically Stalin and the USSR could take over the crops. Right. I mean, this is one of the failures that, you know, we've Free seen money. throughout history. Yeah. And then like, I'm just kind of learning about as well, just of, um, you know, the different experiments, social experiments with communism and socialism that inevitably um, fail each and every time. And, you know, Mises did a really good job of explaining this. I don't know, like a hundred years ago, um, just about the, the issue with it is that you can't perform economic calculation. And that's why most people starve in these uh, situations where people try to implement these social experiments over a long enough period of time. Um, When you centrally plan an economy, you can't perform economic calculation, which means you don't have a price function, which means you end up having shortages and people starve to death. Um, And it it is as simple as that. And I highly recommend, um, I think both Mises and Rothbard wrote wrote books on socialism and just the economic calculation issue. So I definitely recommend um, reading that. But um, I also think it's a good – yeah, go ahead. No, I was, I was just going to go – you know, you, you finished your topic there. I was going to come and chime in after that. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I think uh, I was never interested in um, political points of view prior to Bitcoin. And I think it's fascinating that um, understanding why socialism doesn't work really just comes down to uh, human action and understanding economics and just that that function that the market that the free market plays of being able to to understand the, the prices of goods and services. So you end up using the subjective uh, value theory rather than, you know, cost, yeah. um, cost based pricing. And you understand that the market is only willing to pay for what it's willing to pay for because of what it values something for. Yeah. And when you don't have the free market to help determine prices, you cannot centrally plan economies in such a way. And, you know, I was literally just watching a YouTube video with uh, Rothbard giving a talk in like 1971 or something. And somebody asked him that question about, you know, socialism and economic calculation. And he's like, from the socialists that he had debated, he was like, okay, well, you know, and let's say like, how, a, how do you know what you need uh, for a socialist output? country and scanned it? How do you know? And he, he's like, well, we use the global prices to determine what the price that we should lead with. And then they adjust from there. And then Rothbard goes, so what would you do if you didn't have, a price already to go off of and like that was the end of the conversation so like you <laughs> you just can't perform that price function from one central location it's just impossible you need competitors and the free market providing services um at whatever the consumer is willing to pay for it, and then going from there so uh, the perfect example will be Hopefully, in another couple of years, everyone will have learned that the business model of WeWork doesn't work. And the free market provided that service to us for free and let us know that that's not a good business model right now. Um, but when it continues to get funded by venture capital or overseas money or people just throwing stupid sums of money at it like SoftBank, these things can last so much longer. And the free market's not um, – by not letting these businesses money, fail, we you don't – right. Exactly. And I think that's that's the way to really kind of close the loop is that it all stems from fiat money and, and the manipulation of interest rates is in no way, shape or form a free market activity. So that's why you have these big distortions. Yeah, because I'm willing to bet if people that the market had to choose, people wouldn't be getting negative returns or zero back on their money in real terms. I'm sure they would like a little bit, you know, especially considering right. how risky things are in our current system even though it doesn't seem that way yeah it's rocky for sure and i guess that's a good segue into um you know we have this rocky foundation right now we just talked about the debt we talked about zombie companies in china we talked about um, argentina looks like shit there's hyperinflation everywhere uh, more economic data is coming out that isn't so great how do you solve the 250 trillion dollar debt question and you know i, I guess i've been speculating for the last couple of months now, well, how do you how do you default and switch to something else? And now it looks like France is testing a digital currency come 2020, and then our good friends over at Deutsche Bank put out a, a recent article saying that crypto could replace cash by 2030 as fiat system looks fragile. Um, tell me what you think about that. As I said earlier, it's just they're trying to hop from one track to the other seamlessly, hoping that no one asks questions. I mean, that's that's my that's my, what I imagine right now with a lot of countries and central banks is they're like, okay, how can we get off this fiat system without really getting off it? 
but presenting this new basically illusion, which is fiat money. It's just a belief system. And the second that belief crumbles, there's nothing of value to it. As we see with a lot of countries that experience hyperinflation, or when we see just, if you watch markets at all, you can watch it happen like with the British pound where it's been getting crushed throughout this whole Brexit thing, you know, and it's spiked back up a few times, but where it just has been getting crushed since that they had the new prime minister put in uh, Boris Johnson, if I remember correctly, and it was getting, you know, and it doesn't seem like much, but it's losing, you know, five, six, seven percent over a time period. That's, that's a good amount of money, you know, when you think about people holding large amounts of this currency for international business, that's losing a lot of money. The whole thing's a, a complete shit show. And uh, some of the other comments from that from that Bloomberg or from the Deutsche Bank um, kind of report was that the current fiat system looks fragile, particularly because of decades of low labor costs and inflation. Uh, and crypto, however, and this is the part that really gets me, crypto, however, needs to become legal in the eyes of governments and regulators to become widespread. Over the next decade, things could change and demand for alternative currencies from gold to crypto could take off. Um, so a couple points on that. One, I think over the next decade, for over the next decade, that absolutely there will be humongous demand for alternative currencies because people are starting to wise up that, like I've never heard so much talk about inflation and fiat money ever in my entire life. No, it's, it's like now it's all of a sudden lot fiat. Now. You hear fiat money like on CNBC now. So and, and that's a term that literally only gold bugs were using. And and now you have you know Bitcoin and crypto people who are talking fiat and this and, and fiat leaking, that and all this stuff. It's leaking into everything else like FinTwit. It's leaking everywhere. Everyone's exactly. now asking you it's, know all the really... traders, all these traders. You see all these like you know trading people, you know pseudo memes. They're all asking questions. Oh, you know we're not monetizing the debt. you know stuff like that. You know, one would call this yeah, monetizing like, the it, debt. Yeah, it, it's being memed. Like everybody's starting to wake up. Um, the funny part is, is that. The majority, if not all of them, went to probably very prestigious institutions, learned Keynesian economics, and had been fucking drinking the milk from the teat of, you know, the the Marxist for decades now. And all of a sudden, when it doesn't look, uh, when the system looks fragile, now they're okay with throwing around fiat money and uh, and all these terms. Um, it's, to get back to that one comment about crypto needs to become legal in the eyes of governments and regulators to become widespread, uh, I think there's a lot to unpack with that comment because on one hand, I think it's accurate that there is a large percentage of citizens, regardless of what country they're, they're from, that will not engage with alternative currencies without kind of like the government blessing but then on the other hand people have been doing illegal shit forever um, because it's in their best interest to um, not that I think using an alternative currency should be viewed as as illegal in any stretch of the imagination I think you know it's important for the free market to produce a free market money and it was gold for thousands of years and worked pretty well um, so I don't I don't see why that's such a bad thing, but I do I do get concerned about like the swift banning and just it's kind of seeing how that plays out. I don't think it will last in the long term, but in the short term, I think it could get a little hairy. So I, I've been trying to think like I might want to do more Bitcoin shilling or figure out other ways to start gifting Bitcoin. And I was I was listening shilling. to uh, huh. yeah, like I was listening to this guy who who started a, a new company 
called give Bitcoin and it's it's really interesting you like can you can gift Bitcoin to somebody and it puts it like in a time lock either a year or five years and then it sends them monthly educational content just about Bitcoin and so I think and and his point was about the the regulatory issue he's like we want to get Bitcoin in the hands as uh, as of many Americans as humanly possible so that when the time or day comes that um, Bitcoin is a multi-trillion dollar asset and it looks like fiat currencies aren't doing so hot um, it will become vastly unpopular to ban such a thing um, I think it's a lofty goal I, I'll, I'll help as, as best as I can but it did kind of put some things into perspective to me that it's important that it starts to grow and it's important that people understand that there are alternatives to the money that they're forced to use um i don't know what do you think it'll be i mean it's one of those things again like you, you think about this from perspective is like you know you and i grew up under the u.s dollar standard under a 100 percent fiat standard and it's something that's you know will it change overnight probably not because you gotta remember there's so many people that have grown up under this and don't put thought into it now I think once you kind of jump down the rabbit hole of what is money and you realize you know the time before the gold standard period technically up until 1971 for the US um, you really you start to be like okay you start to ask questions it can take time and that's where I'm thinking this will be is one of those things that it will start to increase as we you know as we've seen on the fintwit side there's people just more and more kind of mocking and memeing the whole current you know central bank situation where they're just printing money these guys have no clue what they're doing and we have negative rates like everywhere basically except for the u.s where we barely have real rates it's and the nominal rates sure can be positive um but it's it's one giant scheme that's barely hanging on by a thread and all we've done is kick the can down the road from 2008 2009 and it's just so much worse now that's the issue any any deflation right, here we are a decade later any deflation is going to ruin all of retirement literally all of it when you talk about real estate prices you talk about bond prices when you talk about um you know equity prices it doesn't it doesn't matter it's going to just destroy everything and obviously all the speculative stuff like a $120,000 banana or like you know certain collector cars etc i i think that's a good point that any kind of deflation from the traditional financial system um, would would just not be good in general. You have a large majority of the population, at least in the U.S., who's getting ready to retire in the next few years, and um, that could have you could have, I mean, tremendous amount of issues as their assets that they were hoping to spend um, during their retirement go away. Now, on one hand, I, uh, there's a small percentage of boomers who have the outsized amount of wealth, right? So let's just use like an 80-20 rule here. So let's say 20% of the people retiring have 80% of the wealth. Now, if that wealth starts to decrease, while they'll still be okay, their spending habits will change. And that has a ripple effect into the economy where certain small businesses or things that they would have been spending money on had there not been some sort of a recession um, starts to go away. You know, some people like to get massages and then if times are tough, they're going to stop getting massages, right? So there's a certain order of goods that starts um, not being 
uh, in demand just because it's not something that you're going to spend money on in hard times. And that's where I think the ripple effect of um, boomers not having enough to spend on retirement can can get a little hairy for the generations below and and for themselves. Exactly. It's it's gonna it's gonna come down to how long can they uh, keep this facade up. At the end of the day, I don't think much longer. I think that's why we see all this push to, oh, these digital currencies are now very appealing because two years ago it wasn't like this. Two years ago, people were still pretty skeptical. Even though it was the You're peak right. of the bubble, and when you think about two and a half years ago, it was even more and more skeptical. So it's you know this bandwagon for the digital currency or the stable, you know whatever you want to call it, stable shit coin, stable coin. Um, mm-hmm. It's all a joke. We will see it play out, and I think I hope we get to record the downfall. <laughs> if we can record, yeah, it. I know. If we can if we, record, if we record, <laughs> because that's the thing. Like, yeah. it's I I don't know. Are we gonna be able to record this when you know when it really hits the fan? I don't know. No, it's a it's a good point, and uh, I guess if we keep recording long enough, we'll eventually get to talk about it. But I don't know. Wrap I'm excited either. Way because like you can see it happening. It's like oh, the it's... cracks are starting to happen. Everything's starting to make sense. Like, the, the puzzles really starting side. to get put together. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like all these different people from different backgrounds are kind of merging yes. together. Like something's not right here. We and and it's different because versus 2007, 2008, 2006, when Twitter was barely a thing, and social media and the connectedness of the world we live in today was so much different. Even though there was the internet, it wasn't the same. Nowhere near the same. Someone pointed that out the other day. It's a very good point. The internet of even seven or eight years ago is much different than it is today. Today, it feels like this corporate slosh ground where you're you're funneled into these thought belief patterns, and it's really annoying. You know, you look things up on YouTube, look things in Google. If you if you can look up certain things and it won't show up, they clearly want it blocked. Like YouTube's a perfect example. And right. I don't want to name videos, right. but I'm not going to name any right now. But it's, it is. It seems like we're, you know, hopefully a liberation of the internet soon too, because that, you know, we've kind of lost it. I think you really nailed it, and I'm, I'm, I'm actually more bullish on the generations below millennials who are just kind of sick of all the millennial Nonsense. bullshit and censorship and just like I don't know I, I'm a little bit older than you are but the internet was pretty fucking sweet when I was a kid, and like when YouTubers first happening and people torrenting stuff and gaming online and I know all that stuff is kind of blown up more since then but it was really ingrained in the culture and you could talk shit on the internet and it was like you, it was just totally normal because it was the it was like the last free space that humans could kind of go to and now it's like gotten way worse um, and believe me I, I I'll I'll say that it's a symptom of fiat money as well all of the political correctness and censorship on the internet uh, and financial censorship of the internet but honestly it it just makes me more bullish because now there 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 are more solutions and more people coming to the same realization and as you said there are people from different backgrounds now who are starting to put together their own piece of the huge puzzle that we're trying to put together too and it's cool to see people from um just just different backgrounds exactly as you said starting to piece everything together and it and it is starting to make sense for um people with large sums of money who can who can start to play the game differently yeah to play your assets effectively yep 
What do you think? Is that a good way to wrap this one up? Yeah, a little bit longer. Good, good way to kind of end the segment and give our thoughts on the current system that is in just pending on, you know, I don't know how much longer it goes on, but it, I mean, it's a, we will be able to record it and that's all that matters. So it's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So uh, this been episode 59 well go ahead go ahead i was gonna say yeah well you can you can finish it i was gonna say episode 59 but you already beat me to the punch <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 no no this is uh make sure to like and subscribe on youtube apple Podcasts, spotify follow us um shoot us a dm leave us a comment uh tell us what you want us to talk about anything that we miss that we can give our take on we're happy to do it um all right thanks for listening peace peace